Welcome to the Let's Be Honest About Business podcast. If you're anything like me, then you strive for us all to be honest with where we're at in our business rather than putting on a front. You can expect to hear about struggles and successes to everything in between from myself and others in business. I'm your host, Morgan, and through being honest with what I've struggled with, I'll be sharing practical tips on how to get out of your slumps and run the business of your dreams regardless of where you're at. Whether you're driving in your car or sipping coffee on your couch, I hope you find this information valuable. Let's hang out. Guys, my next guest is someone I personally really admire for his incredible insight into storytelling and how it impacts businesses and changes lives. He's a seasoned podcast host of the wildly popular show, The Business of Story. He helps purpose-driven brands clarify their story in order to grow their revenue and amplify their impact. With over 35 years of experience in his field and working with powerhouse companies, it's safe to say that this guy knows exactly what he's doing and will help you achieve the success that you so desire. Please welcome Park Howell. Park, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Morgan. Thanks for that, man. I need to hire you as my PR uh, professional. That was a pretty good intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Um, I mean, I know we were kind of getting into our, we were kind of talking a little bit before we hit record, but um, I just really admire you and, um, you know, how much your insight has helped me grow my business. So, you know, I couldn't say anything worse about you. you know, <laughs> You're amazing. And so I think everything I said totally reflects who you are. And, um, you know, so you deserve that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thanks. And I'm really glad to hear that you are being, you're able to use the info from the amazing guests we get at Business of Story to grow your business. I would love to explore that with you a little bit. What's working for you out there? Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I think I'm just starting to get into business storytelling, um, or storytelling in my business. Um, but I mean, how much do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your uh, podcast is being honest about business and it's about helping people grow their businesses, right? Yeah. Yeah. So would love to hear your story on, on what are some of the things that you have, have worked for you around business storytelling? Well, I think for me, so um, I mean, as you know, I'm a wedding photographer. So I've used storytelling. I've started using storytelling ever since I've started listening to your podcast is, you know, I've, you know, I attract brides who are planning their wedding. It's a very exciting time in their life. And so the way that I've used storytelling is by a, um, having the past clients that I've worked with share their story and using that, you know, whether it's in my blog or Instagram posts, I mean, Instagram is huge these days. And so it's honestly where I do a lot of my marketing, but also in sharing my own personal story. For example, I, um, one of the things that I share is when I was younger, I lost my, my mom died of a rare disease called sarcoidosis. So I share about that because you know, back in 2015, I, I was planning my own wedding. And so I know what it's like to uh, have a wedding day without a parent. And, you know, I end up attracting a lot of clients who maybe have lost their parents. And they know that when I show up on their wedding day, they, they know that I relate to them. And uh, I know what it's like to not have a parent on their wedding day. So things like that. I mean, I, I share about my dog a lot. I obviously attract a lot of clients because of that, who really love their dogs. So, 
you know, it's been in many small ways, but it's like I said earlier, it's really helped me actually increase my um, revenue in the sense that I used to attract brides who had $3,000 budgets for their wedding days. And now they have $7,000 budgets for wedding photography. And so that's been really exciting for me. (laughs) Well, that's great. And it sounds like you're doing a really good job of using connecting stories, stories of your you know, true stories that have happened to you that you can share with others uh, that it connects with them because they get a sense of, oh, you know, number one, I'm sorry for your loss. And the fact that uh, you've experienced having a wedding without your mom there, you know, maybe something that they're going through too, that it's just a bond. It's, it's humanizing a business in a way that only story can. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you're using that. The other thing is, to me anyways, it sounds like you, ha- you are a very natural storyteller. It sounds like in hearing your voice, what you see is what you get in you and your work. And that's hugely important because it brings the authenticity out about your brand. And people aren't buying your company. They're buying you and what you stand for. Your company is just simply the vehicle to, that will help them get what they want out of life. But they're always buying the proprietor first. So great, you know, kudos on your storytelling. That's great to hear. Absolutely. And thank you so much for that. But I'm really curious to learn from you today because you have, you have so many years of experience. Now, I know that you, you've mentioned on your podcast in the past that you started, a, I think, was it a marketing agency? Yeah, well, okay. uh, boy, you know, I go back a long time. I've been in the advertising branding world for about 35 years. I graduated back in uh, early 1980s, studied, I got to be in in communications, journalism, public relations, and I got a second one in music composition and theory, knowing I would probably never make my fortune as a composer, but just loving to do it. um, I went to the advertising world and uh, worked for a number of different agencies for about 10 years, worked in-house at a place as a creative director at a fast-growing electronics firm for about a year and a half. And then I launched after my, yeah, 10 years into my career, I launched my own agency here in Phoenix back in 1995 called Parkin Company. And we started with one very large brand, Forever Living Products International, which was the world's largest grower manufacturer and distributor of aloe vera based health and beauty products they are located out here in Scottsdale and now about a $2.5 billion operation. When I started working with them, um, they were just coming into being about a billion dollar company. So, uh, and I still to this day work with them. You know what, what I found Morgan, and I'm sure you find in your line of work too, that it's so important to find and build lasting bonds with clients. And you do that by showing up every day. I've got a rule and this is the rule that I give all of my you know, kids as well. Said, so, you know, there's really, there's really one rule in life and that is, you know, success has comes from 50% of showing up and 50% of it is following up. And so I try to follow those rules. And I ran my agency for 20 years doing that and kept a lot of the same clients that I still work with today. But I pivoted away in 2016 because I found storytelling, business storytelling and brand storytelling in particular, extraordinarily powerful. And I got more and more requests to work with leadership, work with C-level suites, uh, execs, and Arizona State University came calling and asked if I would write a communications curriculum around storytelling for their school of sustainability 
which I did and taught for five years in an executive master's program there. When it was all said and done, the ad agency world just didn't appeal to me anymore. And I was just fascinated on how we use story to connect with people and move them to action, especially in this completely over-communicated world that we live in today. So that's where you find me today in my Business of Story you know, podcast. It's going on its fourth season. I'm glad you're a listener. And that's my job now. I consult, teach, coach, and speak on the power of stories to help leaders of purpose-driven brands clarify their stories to amplify their impact and simplify their lives. That's awesome. And I think that's amazing that you found storytelling. I think it's still kind of a foreign topic or I guess idea to grasp for other business owners. I mean, can you share a little bit about how, and this is kind of going off of out of order, I guess, from the questions that I have for you, which is okay. But um, how do you, how, how do you, I mean, you had mentioned in a recent podcast that you, I mean, you, you love working with companies who already understand the idea of storytelling. But how, do, how has storytelling helped businesses that you've worked with or even just yourself? Like, like I said, I think it's a very foreign concept to grasp and a lot of people are like, wait, storytelling, what's that? Like, <laughs> why? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? You bet. And it's interesting that you say that it's a foreign concept. And you're right because we don't think about it automatically in business. And yet, storytelling and our abilities to create these shared narratives that we can live into, these imagined realities that we can live into and make, you know, reality is unique to Homo sapiens. We are literally the only storytelling animal that that we know of in the universe. And yet, for whatever reason, well, I think I know why the reason is, we don't use it in business. We don't use it nearly as effectively as we could. And I saw this really start back in 2006. This is so 10 years and year 11 into running my ad agency, Parking Company. Um, the internet was really starting to kick in back then. And that people, we were building lots of websites and still trying to figure out how to make those work in SEO and get people to convert on it. Social media started coming along and it started just being a disruptive force. But Morgan, what I found in all of this is our work as a traditional ad agency kind of stopped working. Our communications, our ads, our outreach efforts were just seemed to be less impactful than they used to be. And I didn't know why. At the time, I didn't know why. In hindsight, of course, I've, I've got it every, I know exactly why. And that's because leading up to that, the 10 years leading up to that in my career, the 20 years leading up to that, um, I was always dealing in a world where the brands own the influence of mass media because they could afford to be on TV and radio and print and outdoor, and they controlled the megaphone. They controlled the message. The really good brands, the really smart ones, still use storytelling, but the vast majority of them did not. They just inundated and blasted us with content. And I was one of the blasters. We did that on behalf of our clients, and it worked fine until, like I said, 2006. So when I started looking for what are we going to do, not only are we being disrupted by the internet um, it, and, and, and social media, but then, you know, on the heels of that in 2008, the, grand, the Great Recession hit. So we were really thrown, like every business, you know, head over heels trying to figure out how we're going to survive it. 
Well, at that time, I was fortunate because our middle child, our son, Parker Howell, was going to film school at Chapman University in Orange, California. They have a really remarkable film program. And he went from 2006 and graduated in 2010 and has been in Hollywood ever since. He's directing a lot of virtual reality video work, film work right now. He won a couple couple VR film festivals. Plus, he also does a lot of motion design work, meaning animation and motion graphics. That's, that's kind of his bread and butter, how he pays his bills while he's between the, the directing gigs. And in fact, Morgan, uh, coming out on Fox here, I think next week or in two weeks, is a new game show called Mental Samurai with Rob Lowe. It's, it's quite a fun, fascinating game show. And Parker was uh, one of the, the small crew on that show that did all the animation work and, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of the level he's in. And he just did a big project for Red Bull directing one of their virtual reality films. I tell you all of this because not only, you know, he wasn't just a wannabe film student, he was all in. And he's worked really hard. He's been in Hollywood ever since he's graduated. But while he was there going to school, and while I was trying to figure out what were we going to do to resonate, to make our communications work again in this rapidly changing world of the internet around us, I asked him, I said, Parker, when you're done with your textbooks, send them to me since I've paid for them <laughs> because I wanted to know what were they teaching him and his fellow students to be competitive storytellers and what is you know, arguably the most competitive storytelling market in the world, and that's Los Angeles. And in that process, he did, and I read a lot of books on screenwriting, uh, screenplays, on visual storytelling, and the th theme I kept coming back to came back to this gentleman by the name of Joseph Campbell. Now, Joseph Campbell has been dead since 1987, but his work still lives on today, he identified this framework, this universal framework to story called the hero's journey. And it has literally been around since the very beginning of time, of storytelling time. The first published story of Gilgamesh way back in the day um, actually follows this same story pattern. And on through Homer, the Odyssey, all the way up to the Lego movies you see today. And you know what? My wife and I just saw Mary Poppins Returns. And by God, if the hero's journey story framework doesn't drive that story, it is just that universal, yet it's something that we don't know. We don't, we don't recognize it, and yet our subconscious picks up on it. When I learned about this is when I thought, I could use this in branding, first and foremost, and I mapped it. I took his 19 steps framework, and I mapped it to business, and I only used 10, and I called it the story cycle system. From that, we started doing a brand story strategy using this. This is back in like 2009, 10, and it just took off. The brands that we worked with with it, when we really approached their communications from a narrative standpoint, really using proven story structure to design their strategies, design their communications plans, and actually use it in their individual uh, uh, storytelling uh, tactics, such as TV spots and radio and user interfaces uh, and whatnot. It was unbelievably powerful. It, it just went beyond my wildest imagination. I mean, some of our brands grew by three and 400%, and they will look directly at the story cycle system and say it was because we re- looked at and approached our businesses 
from a story standpoint, understanding that all of our audiences and all of our customers are living in a journey, in a story, and instead of just blasting them with our offering, what if we actually weave our offering into where they are on their particular journey? Really no different than you have done in your wedding photography of understanding people and where they are and what they're looking for um, in their wedding and how they want to capture that. I would imagine, Morgan, it sounds like you probably approach a sell on that. And it's not even selling, it's more helping than selling um, with stories of your own experience that they can relate to. And they say, you're hired because they love your character, maybe even over your credentials, meaning there might be more uh, experienced wedding photographers out there. You know, there might even be more gifted ones. And we, we're always up against, you know, lots of competition. But when it comes down to the character of the person, of what you bring your whole self to that process, I would imagine just from, you know, listening to how you told your story earlier, that they connect with that. And that's what I found in the advertising, branding, marketing world. And regardless of the size of your company, uh, that storytelling is how you truly connect with all of your audiences from your employees to your customers because it's real. Every story delivers a truth and within that truth comes trust and you cannot find that in any other creative uh, form of communication. That's why I'm such a big believer in storytelling. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, I mean, you just gave so much awesome insight. Um, and I, I can personally vouch for, you know, just like being a millennial, honestly, we, we, you're so right. We obviously just, anytime I personally see an ad, I scroll past it. I don't want to see it, but I think storytelling is so important. It, it actually draws people in and they want to know more. Um, what would you say for people who, you know, maybe they've started a business, they feel like they're just screaming to the masses and they, you know, they're not really making an impact, which is what you talk about all the time. How do they, how do they tell their story or even just know what their story is? Well, let me use you as an example. So Morgan, why, and by the way, folks, we have not rehearsed this, but uh, this, <laughs> as I'm taking Morgan through this, I want you to take yourself through these same questions. So Morgan, how long have you been a wedding photographer? I think you said five years. Yeah, five years. Five years. Why did you get into wedding photography? Honestly, I got into it by mistake. Um, <laughs> I, I was well, gosh, this was back in 2013. I was writing, a, I had a blog that was read around the world. Um, it was a, basically a daily devotional for teenage girls. And I wanted to raise money to publish this book um, that I wanted to, I wanted to release a book basically because of the blog. A lot of my readers were encouraging me to do it. So I, I knew I liked photography. I didn't know anything about it, but um, I figured, well, maybe I can raise money to you know, kind of get this book going. And so I just offer, I made a post on Facebook. I offered to do sessions for a donation and that kind of bloomed into what it is now. <laughs> so were you a wedding photographer or a photographer, I should say, before this? What, what made you want to go out and take these pictures of people and what made you believe you could take good enough pictures of these people that they would want them and you could build a business out of it? You know, I, I think I, so especially when I first started, I was very naive to the fact that I was not good. <laughs> um, 
And so I was just really encouraged by the people who kept, um, you know, they kept telling me like, oh, you're doing great. You know, they kept giving donations, all that. But at some point I did gain more experience and I did purchase better equipment. So I ended up starting to have costs in for like this business. It wasn't, I didn't make it a business yet, but eventually I decided, you know, actually this is something I really do like and I think I'd want to continue it. And so that kind of just started my journey into photography. And then I did start doing everything under the sun, obviously, because I didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted to specialize in. But um, back in 2015, uh, 2016, that was the year that I decided that specializing in, I had enough experience in photography that weddings were the thing that I wanted to specialize in. Okay. So great. So let me go back to uh, 2013 when you were writing the blog about the daily devotional for teenage girls. What was the idea there? Why did, why, what triggered that concept that you would first and foremost write that blog and hopefully then have it lead into a book? I think it was my story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I was, you know, like I said earlier, I lost my mom uh, to a rare disease called sarcoidosis when I was younger and kind of going into those teenage years, especially as a female, there's a lot of changes to your body and things that, you know, you just, you have to go through, especially with the loss of a parent. And it was just a really difficult time in my life. So sharing my story kind of triggered, you know, that, that journey of, you know, writing the blog, turning it into a book, wanting to kind of just help make an impact and reach those people who maybe can relate or have experienced something similar. Okay. So you were doing that, you know, both out of self-preservation and working through what you're going through, but also realize that you could be helping um, young girls in the process by doing this daily devotional. And then why do you think that led to photography? Were you, were you a big picture taker prior to this? I was, but I never envisioned myself having a, actually making a business out of it. Mm-hmm. So you enjoyed taking, taking pictures and it was a nice extension of what you were doing um, from the daily devotional and it's led into wedding photography. Now as a wedding, wedding photographer, do you have a particular expertise or look or approach that is different than all of your competition? I think, well, I mean, you had kind of alluded to this earlier, that clients hire you because, especially when you're storytelling, they hire you because of, you know, you, you may not be the best photographer on the market or, you know, have the most experience. And and I can totally vouch for that. I definitely think that there's people who have more experience than I do and who have, who are better, you know, than I am. But I think, um, what makes me different, I guess, to answer your question, what sets me apart is the fact that I've, I, I really try my best to relate to my clients. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that's what sets me apart. Honestly, like I, I really try to make it a personal experience rather than just you're hiring me for this service, but you're not actually hiring me as a human. Mm-hmm. So in your story, where I'm going with all this is I always coach my um, clients to think about the scenes in their life that has informed who they are today. So you've had 
these past scenes of maybe as a young girl, you had a camera and you did, you know, you, you enjoyed photography. You were taking lots of pictures. You certainly had that, that really horrible scene of your mother dying from this rare disease and losing her at, at a, a young age, but that has impacted who you are today and informed who you are today in a very, very positive way. I'm sure your mom is extraordinarily proud of what you have become and what you're building. And then add to that, so you've got this intersection of what you've gone through and this photography ability that you had an inherent interest in, and then this reaching out in a devotional way to like-minded teenage girls that are maybe going through the same thing, so you're helping them through your writing. And you know, stories are all about creating pictures actually in people's heads. So we tell stories, we write stories, we show stories, but really all we're trying to do is illuminate that theater in one's mind because then they can picture what you're going through and they can feel what you're going through. So you kind of have, have brought these two worlds of writing, these devotionals and picture taking together to be, you know, having a devotional almost like every wedding is its own little devotional that you are capturing this moment in time, this scene for the, uh, and I imagine the bride probably hires you, makes the decision to hire you more so than the groom does would be my guess. Mm -hmm. And so your world is kind of coming together of one that cared about sharing devotionals to help um, young ladies, you know, through tough times like you experienced, but now you're actually capturing them. So each wedding is kind of its own devotional in its own way. You take the time to really understand the person, what makes them click, and then you simply capture that devotion through your photography. So that's what, in my mind, and just your short story of what you told me, how I think you are more different than any other wedding photographer out there, is you don't capture a wedding. You capture the devotion that is being exhibited between the bride and the groom and the families that are getting married. I love that. Um, I, and I think that this is going to help, you know, I think a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast are people who are in the wedding industry. And so they can kind of, you know, kind of relate, I guess, to the product or service that I'm offering. Yeah. But what would you say for someone? So you, you know, my story, and I would say that, honestly, for me, it probably comes a little bit easier because I have these clients who, you know, obviously it's a very happy day. I can capitalize basically on their love story and share that. I can talk about my own life experiences and they can relate to that so that I feel more like a friend on their wedding day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I actually just had a guy who reached out to me recently once he found out that I was starting the podcast. He emailed me saying that he recently moved to Florida and started his own pressure washing company. So how does, how does this guy in particular implement story into his business? You know, where maybe it's like just a little bit more difficult than like maybe someone like me, for example. Well, everybody has a reason for what they do. Otherwise, they don't keep doing what they're doing until they go out and they find what their real calling is. You know, a lot of times um, when we're young, we follow the lead that our mom and dad want us to go and study and do this. Or maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend that drives us into one direction. Or maybe it's a spouse or a partner that uh, really wants us to live into a different story than the story we're actually meant to live into. So what I would say to the, the pressure washing guy, do you love what you do? And I'm, I would imagine probably says, yeah. And now a lot of us would say, but it's pressure washing. How could you possibly love that? Well, if he loves what he does, pressure washing is simply a vehicle. It's just simply a, a, a business vehicle 
to actually have a greater impact on the world. So maybe he's a clean freak. Maybe he had something that happened to him as a young man that somehow pressure washing helps resolve in his own life. And he knows that he had this problem. So he goes out and he does it for other people. Maybe it's the easiest way that he can um, make some really good money so that he can actually focus on something else that's going on in his life. He enjoys doing it, but it's actually a means to a bigger end. So what I ask is that, you know, when you find people that really love and are devoted to what they do like you are, maybe like the pressure washing guy is, I would go back to him and ask him, so share a couple scenes in your life that have shaped who you are today that lead you to the pressure washing world. <laughs> you know, I mean, it really is that I did a I did a TEDx talk. You can find it online. It was uh, TEDx Gilbert, the name Gilbert, TEDx Gilbert, and it was about this time last year. And it is all about this very concept, Morgan, of don't look for your story, but find your scenes, those moments that have informed and shaped who you are today. When you knit those scenes together, your story is going to find you. So in everybody listening to this, I want you to go back and think about why did you start your business? Why are you running the business that you have? And find those scenes that at first when you think about them, they don't seem like they were very big. And you might even think that people won't care about them. But they're actually monumental in why you do what you do now. And people, your customers want to hear about those scenes because it connects you on a very human level. We've all been through something similar in our own way, so we get to connect in that way. And if with every story, again, like we talked about, there's a universal truth found in that story, a truth that says something about you and your character, but also a, a, a bigger truth that says something about our collective experience in the world. And in that truth, when they see that you are being truthful and authentic, it builds trust, and that's what every business, every client relationship, every customer relationship needs and starts, you know, with trust. So go find your scenes, go find those little moments that have shaped who you are today, and then share those and you will see that it has destined you to be running the business that you're doing. And conversely, Morgan, I'll say, but if you're not happy, go back and look at the moments that where you've made a decision to take a different path, a path you shouldn't be on. And what are you going to do about it? How are you going to make a decision and, and go back and really embrace those moments in your life when curiosity took you over, when you had a surprising success at something that then it just kind of led to more success? We all have these moments, and those are the moments that guide us down the paths we're supposed to be on. Joseph Campbell, as I mentioned in his mythology, he said a line that I love, and it is, when you follow your bliss, you know, when you follow what you're really supposed to be doing, when you follow your bliss, Doors will open for you where there were only walls before. And I can tell you, my bliss in understanding and following story and how it works in all of our lives has opened remarkable doors for me that I had no idea there was even a wall I was running headlong into. And I think you find that in all of your businesses when you're following you know, your bliss. He, he, uh, Joseph Campbell said one other thing that I like too. He said something to the effect of, if you find yourself falling, dive. So what I mean by that, if you're upset, if your business isn't going the way you think it should be going, if something's happening, instead of pushing back on it, instead of repelling it, 
dive headlong into that. Because when you do, then the universe has a way of saying, oh, Park, actually you're on this path, but I really want you to be on this path. <laughs> and sometimes it gets harder before it gets better, but it always gets better. And I'm telling you, when you find your right path by looking at the scenes that got you to where you are today, um, the world is your oyster, as they say. <laughs> That's so good. And I will be sure to link to that TED, uh, that TEDx conversation. I definitely want to go ahead and tune into that. Um, what are some simple steps that our listeners can take away to start making changes to their business? If they, especially if they're like, oh, I, that actually sounds really great, Park and Morgan, I really want to get into uh, storytelling. How, how did they start? I mean, you kind of already alluded to that yeah. by you know, looking back at the scenes in your life, but, but what other steps that can they take that are, you know, can be attainable in the next like weeks and coming months? Well, what I think they should really do is get super focused on what the story of their business is. And that comes down to creating a position statement of what functionally do you do different and therefore better than your competition. So again, I might argue with you, Morgan, that I think functionally what you do different is you don't just capture wedding pictures. You're not just a wedding photographer. You capture the devotion in that moment. So also now that separates you in my mind from every other wedding photographer. You, do you want a wedding photographer or do you want a devotion photographer? <laughs> you know, I mean, you could have a lot of fun with that. So I would have anybody out there listening, if you're a pressure washer or whatever you're doing, how do you do it different and therefore better than everybody else? Get super clear on that. Then the set next stage, I would say, is who are you for? So there are any number of weddings happening, you know, throughout the Denver area, or maybe you travel a little bit all the time, and you're not going to get all of them, nor do you want to shoot all of them because you can't shoot all of them. But you want to shoot a specific type of client. You know now the type of client that you want to work with that is not a bridezilla, that appreciates who you are and what you bring to the, uh, the, the project, is willing to even pay more for that. So not only do you get lovely people to work with and not jerks, but you actually get to make more in that process. You only get to that point when you identify who you are for. Be as specific about your customer as you possibly can and push away the fear that if you get so specific, you're going to lose out, you know, you're going to lose business to other customers that could have been yours. Well, they could have been yours, but you may not always want them. But here's what I found when you get super, super focused on who you are for, these other customers tend to come in the slip Dream. It's like a vacuum. They just start, the universe starts sending them your way, but you get more of the right kinds of customers than those that are just paying your bills and can be a real pain in the neck. So that's number two. First, what do you do different than your comp competition, therefore better? Number two, who are you for? Get as specific as you possibly can for them. And then the next step, and this takes a little bit of thinking. You need to sit down, you need to answer the question, what do they wish for and what do they want? And Morgan, what I mean by that is we buy because we think we want something, a physical item, but we're really fulfilling a wish. So every brand is in the wish-granting business. For instance, I love Macs, Macintosh computers. I'm all in. I'll pay the extra money for them. I think they work wonderf wonderfully. Um, 
I, my keynotes work great off of them. I can edit on them. I just have no problems at all. But a Mac is just a computer, so it's a commodity. So what I really wish for is to express my individuality as a creative person. And I feel like Mac has done a great job of getting me to buy into that story. And then they deliver on it through their computer. So I wish to express my individuality to think different, show the world how I think different, different. And I want a Mac to do that for me. In your world, I would imagine um, the, the bride and groom, they wish to capture this moment in time. They, they, they wish to have uh, these this unbelievable wedding photography. But what do they want? They want a wedding photographer that gets them. You know, that can prove that they can do the work, but they want someone that gets them that is easy to work. So that's the physical need. So what do they wish psychologically? What is that emotion that they're actually driving their, their purchase? And then what do they want to buy that is going to fulfill that wish? So that's Step three, after you figured out what do you do different, therefore better, who are you for, and then getting super clear with that individual, you know, your customer, what are they ultimately wishing for, you know, psychologically, what is it they want, uh, you know, wish for, and then how do they physically fulfill that wish through what they want to buy? I know that I could keep going, but I know that's a lot to digest. If you want to chat about those three things, that's what your audience can do right now you know, following this, uh, this podcast. No, that's, that's seriously amazing. I, my mind is blown. Um, <laughs> um, I want to go back to, I want to revisit your second point. How, what kind of questions should a business owner be asking in order to narrow down their dream client? Because I, I think that's, you made a great point. You should not be marketing to everyone, trying to get everybody to come in. You, if you, if you market to the right clients and you, you reach those amazing people, you're not only creating a better experience for the client, you know, because you, you and the client, I guess, jive, you're creating a better experience for yourself as a business owner as well. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people struggle with that. So how, what, what are some very specific questions that any business owner should ask when it comes to narrow, narrowing down what their ideal client is? Yeah. Well, if it's a fairly new business, and I experienced this in my own when I pivoted away in 2016 from my ad agency and focused solely on the business of story platform. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know exactly who my audience was at the time. And it took me two and a half years to really get it dialed in. And all I did is paid super close attention to the people that were calling me what they were asking for, and what were my best experiences, those that I enjoyed working with, that they weren't a bridezilla, that they paid me top dollar, um, and it was much easier to get their business than me having to actually sell them. And what I arrived at, Morgan, with that client is I am not all things to all people looking for storytelling. I am for that executive that is already within an organization that appreciates and understands how story could make a major impact on the growth of the organization. It could be on sales. It could be in HR in helping build diversity and inclusion. Um, but they know. They've studied it. Maybe they understand Joseph Campbell. What they don't know is how to get it infused into their company. 
and they actually need an outside person like me to come in um, and say, you know, as a consultant, here's how story works and why. And they're looking for, you know, a proven system. So what you ask yourself is first and foremost, who are your best clients? The ones you really want to work for and you know you can help and they are appreciative. Not only do they pay their bills, but they are appreciative. They thank you for being there. Like money secondary to them all of a sudden because they just know you delivered for them. And then ask, for, ask the question, what I asked earlier, what do you know in this experience, what do they wish to have? In my case, with those storytellers in business, you know what they ultimately wish? They wish to look smart among their peers to say, I know this stuff works. I need someone to come in and show us how to do it so that people can look at me and say, gosh, that was a smart call. Way to go. They want, they wish to look smart and they want a proven system or a proven presenter or workshop to be able to deliver that. So ask yourself of that ideal client, what is going on in their head? What do they wish for? And then what do they want to have happen and how does your service then back up and fulfill that want? Because remember, you're in the grant wishing business, but you got to fulfill that want to, to grant their wish. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I, I feel like, I mean, I'm taking away so much awesome, valuable information. So I know our listeners will as well. I really do appreciate that. Um, this is just kind of a fun, interesting question that I have for you. Um, you've worked with really well-known brands, you know, Coca-Cola, Hilton Hotels, American Express, the U.S. Air Force, and I, I saw a lot more on your website, but I'm really curious to know, what is it like for you to work with those brands, and in what ways do you feel like you've helped them? Yeah, it's interesting. When you get into those really big brands, they take on a whole ecosystem on their own, and I'll be honest with you, the larger the brand the harder it is to get them to connect because they have been so um, institutionalized in their behaviors, in their communication techniques, and that sort of thing, that sometimes it is really hard to break through. Now, I know when it's going to work depending on who calls me from that brand. If it's just somebody from HR that says, oh, somebody above me said we need to do some storytelling, come on in and we'll hire you and you come in and do this thing and knock it out. I have found that it doesn't work that well for them. I'll typically go in for, you know, an, an hour and a half to a half day session. I'll get their audiences excited and they'll be inspired and maybe a third of them will, will walk away. Um, and, you know, a third of them will say, well, I'm still kind of on the fence. You know, I'm not sure I'm going to habitualize this. And the other third is going to say, I don't have time for this. So that's one way to look at it. And I find that that's not my best client. Now, others, such as the Air Force, is fantastic, of course, gigantic, gigantic organization. But I end up working with anywhere from their brigadier generals to their four stars, always in groups of anywhere from it could be 20 to maybe 120 of them and their staff. And they're coming in, and I'm part of an overall communications week where they're being taught a lot of different communication techniques on how to 
work with the media, how to work with congressmen and women and that sort of thing. And I am a, a half day session in that. So they're already, by the time I get there, they've had two or three days of this of different sort of communications thing. And I come in and show them the entertainment, educational value of story. So all of a sudden, it becomes something completely different. And those are really, really powerful programs. So while the big brands are, are fun to work with, you have to be careful because I don't know that I can have as big of impact with them unless I have a true champion within those walls that no story works and is trying to get someone to help them, you know, inculcate it into their business. Where I have found story to be the most powerful is what I call an emerging brand. And what I mean by that, Morgan, is it's a company, and I can tell you, they typically have been around anywhere from four to 10 years. They are almost always a mom and pop operation. Uh, in that, that very small, the founders are still very much involved. They have a proven business model. They've built a, a really you know, good company, and they may be making anywhere from a few million to tens of 20s or 30s of millions of dollars at this point. Um, and their business model works, but they have not taken the time to really understand what their story is. And I hear about it in three different ways. I'll get the call. It always goes down like this. Park, we have such and such a company and we are growing big time. Um, and because of that, we are getting a lot more competition. Competition is starting to show up and it just occurred to us that we don't have our story. We're not differentiated. And so we're going to lose market share unless we can show people we're first to market or we're different and we know we got to get our brand story together. That's always the first thing that comes out of their mind. And I say, okay, anything else? And they say, well, yeah, we are growing so fast. We're hiring 10, 20, 30 people a month. And we realize that our training programs are breaking down and that because we don't have a story together, we're not getting everybody pulling in the same direction. We, you know, their catch is catch can because business is so good, but we know it's not going to be like that forever. We got to get people pulling in the same direction. Right on. I said, yep, getting your business brand story straight will help you there too. And then the third thing is always a long pause and I can pretty much count on it. And I'll say, is there anything else? And they go, well, uh, yeah, you know, last week I was either meeting with my banker or I was meeting with our venture capital folks for some new potential money. And they looked at me and they said, Billy, what's your story anyway? And you know what? I was embarrassed. I sat there and I couldn't even tell them what our story was. Working with those kinds of companies that already have this growth through their business model, meaning that they're good business people, they're making money, um, but now their success has brought out these new antagonists, this competition in their world, um, this, this ability to get everybody buying in and pulling in the same direction internally, and this need to be able to communicate and articulate their story to potential funders to help them grow is where storytelling can be absolutely huge. And they're bought in, they have an urgency to what they need, and they're not only looking to build a brand story out of it, they're trying to build a storytelling culture so that they can find the stories within their organization that support their overall brand narrative. That's the difference between the really big brands and the really big companies um, to get into versus those that are just emerging that have a great business model, but they really need to clarify their story to amplify their impact and simplify their lives.
Hmm, that's really interesting. I, I love that. Uh, what, how long would you say it takes for, you know, those businesses that you've worked with, this, the smaller ones, to start to see some benefit from, from the work that you've done with them? Yeah, a terrific question. In fact, I just got off the phone earlier today with Sean Schroeder. He um, is partners in an interactive company in Sacramento called Blue River. And they not only are a digital design firm, but they also have this uh, website platform called the Mira Experience Platform that they sell to very large brands across the board. Um, I did a branding program for them, and we arrived at their brand story about a year and a half ago. And it took us about six months to get there with them because they do a lot of different things. And we ended up finding out that what they really did, the common theme they had for everything is all about flow, about making experiences that simply flow for developers, for visitors to websites, to the digital design, to their own people. Well, he and I were just talking today because I'm writing a case study of Blue River's brand story development that's going in my new book, which will be out later on this year. And he first apologized and said, you know, Park, we haven't really, you know, we haven't really activated the brand story yet. So I can't point to absolute growth in, in dollars because of that. Well, Morgan, the more we talked, I talked with Sean, the more he realized that, oh, my God, I've used our whole new brand story strategy, first and foremost, and correctly so, to operationalize his company. So in understanding what their story is now, they started stopping doing things that they would just automatically do before to free them up to do the most important things that actually grow the company um, and and grow their uh, uh, recruiting and retention of developers themselves. Even so much so that they decided not to do an annual conference that they produce every year for developers called uh, Miracon up in Sacramento this year because he said it took up too much time to take them away from what they're doing. And I said, well, Sean, you see that your brand story strategy is paying huge dividends for you right now. You're just picturing it as going on your website and your outreach and your advertising. But what you're really doing, and rightly so, is using your new brand story strategy to redesign operationally how your business works so that you can find the flow first and foremost within your people and your organization to attract the clients you're looking for and to make the money you want to make, then and only then is it right to be able to reach out to the world. So they're a year and a half, two years into it, and they haven't even used it yet for their advertising and marketing. When, so my point in this is once you get your brand story strategy together, which can take you two to four months, and then you want to design and get your website built around that, it's going to take you another few months to pull that together. It's typically anywhere from a six to 12-month proposition by the time you start developing your brand story to the first time it sees the light of day through a website and whatever. Um, and then it may be another 18, well, another another um, half a year. So you're 18 months into the process now to a full year before your clients really start understanding it and picking up on it. Now, you're going to have some benefits in this process because you're going to get super clear on what your story is and you're going to get super clear on what you say no to and what you say yes to. You get super clear on who you're for, what that audience, you know, who that audience is and how to immediately start communicating to them differently. So you're going to start finding and getting the benefits out of this, but you're not going to see the full-fledged, you know, uh, the spiral, that flywheel that just gets faster and faster and grows on itself till probably year two 
and three and beyond, but it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy then. You got to start to get the ball rolling. One other client we worked with, um, ironically enough, back up in, the, in that Sacramento area in Davis, California, called Avant Page. We helped them do their brand story. They launched it internally after about eight months and then externally after about 16 months of when it was originally created. But within the first three months of the, when they um, launched it externally, they had seen an increase in the right kind of new business that they were actually looking for by 30%. So now they were attracting the right kinds of clients who they were for because of that brand story and how they got it in place. So it doesn't happen overnight, but it's something when you get it dialed in will last you a lifetime. That's really good. I, th I think at this day and age, we all want everything as fast as we can get it. And a lot of people think that overnight success is actually a thing, but that's, that's actually not true. So um, that's, that's really encouraging to know. And obviously what you do works. I mean, you've mentioned that the companies that you've worked with, you've seen their revenue increase by 400%. So oh, yeah. Yeah. That's insane to me. <laughs> Adelante Healthcare out here, Avin Tafoya, one of the most brilliant CEOs I've ever had the ple pleasure of working with. She brought us in in 2009 to help them refine their brand story. It was Clinica Adelante at the time, which was a free clinic here in Arizona, primarily focused on the field workers, the migrant workers, and everything from uh, SB 1070, which was legislation here that essentially built our walls and exported a whole bunch of illegal immigrants that were work and their families that were working in the fields, plus the recession, they had to refine, redefine their brand story. We did, we renamed them Adelante Healthcare and they're all about sustainable healthcare, sustaining the availability of healthcare for all, sustaining individuals' healthcare through holistic approaches to how they treat them, and sustaining their um, operations by becoming much more green in how they operate all their clinics. Well, I think they just opened their 12th clinic. Six of them now are LEED certified. Avine is asked to talk about sustainable healthcare around the world, and she told me not too long ago that um, they have grown in the last five years by 300% and that they don't do any advertising, branding, or, or, or well, they do branding. They don't do any advertising or marketing because they can't handle much more growth. They're just growing, you know, to, to the point that they can remain sustainable and still sustain this proper care for anybody that needs health care. And I got to tell you, Morgan, their facilities are some of the most beautiful facilities you've ever seen, you know, LEED certified, and you would never believe it that they're a, a free clinic. But Avine, and she was on my podcast, you could search back a few months ago, Avine Sete Tafoya, Adelante Healthcare, and she'll tell you the whole story about how they used our system and what it has meant to the impact they've had in the world. And the wonderful thing about that particular show, well, like all of them, I try to pull it out, but Avine was really good. Um, Avine tells you about how she got her start um, as a Kurd in northern Iraq, and they were displaced when she was a little girl from the first um, uh, desert storm war by the first bush that ran in there, how they came to America and how it impacted her as a little girl, and she went on to become a doctor and now is heading up this amazing organization. 
it's a terrific example of where she her scenes are knitted together to create this really amazing organization that is Atalante Healthcare today. All we did is helped her capture that and be able to express a brand that really means something, you know, to the community and is authentic to who they are. Wow. That's incredible. I actually do remember listening to that podcast episode. Um, and I thought it was amazing. Um, gosh, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your insight today. And I know that our listeners are going to find everything that you say valuable. Um, where can everybody learn more from you? Um, or where can they find you? Yeah, Morgan, thank you. And, and I want to really underscore that this all works just as well for the individual entrepreneur, the solo entrepreneur, the startup out there that you don't have to be a big company. In fact, it probably is going to work even more powerfully for you because it is separating you from the rest of the world because you've got your story really dialed in. Remember, people always buy you before they buy your product or service. They're interested in your product or service, but they wish to work with good people. And that's why you tell them your story. And I'd be happy to help you with that over at Business of Story. Dot com. I have a ton of free tools, tips, and techniques. As Morgan said, I do a, a, a new show every Monday, and I find story artists from around the world on how they use story in all different aspects of their life, but it always has a theme of branding around it, whether it's personal branding they're doing to grow their influence, or it's branding for an organization to grow their company and their people. Uh, we just find lots of different ways to see how story shows up in our lives every single day, and so that you can use this in your own world um, to help you clarify your story, amplify your impact, and simplify your life. Just visit me at businessofstory.com. I love that. Park, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome to have you, and I know I learned a lot from you, and I know our listeners will as well. This was amazing. I appreciate it. Well, and I've got a, you're welcome, and I've got a uh, brother, as I mentioned earlier, before we started recording in Parker, Arizona, and he's got three kids. So when they get time to uh, get married, you know who I'm going to send them to. Oh, <laughs> well, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Morgan. Thanks so much for listening. For more information or to learn a little bit more about me and my brand, you can follow me on Instagram at Lady Ilg. That's L-A-D-Y-I-L-G. Or visit LadyIlgPhotography.com. If you have any questions you'd like me to answer for you on a future episode, simply email me at Morgan at LadyIlgPhotography.com with your question, and I'd love to answer it for you. Your questions are encouraged and welcome. I look forward to showing up on another episode soon.